it's been an absolutely wild ride for the Giants and their fans this offseason. But when all is said and done, a lot has changed, including the departures of key from the past veterans like Evan Longoria and Brandon Belt officially with other teams, Carlos Correa officially with the Twins now. So, But specifically looking at uh, first base with Belt going to the Blue Jays, what are the Giants going to do at that position? We'll get into the state of the roster there next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on the show, we provide episodes three days a week for now until pitchers and catchers report, and then back to daily, Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thanks for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, a lot I want to get into, specifically looking at kind of the state of the roster and specifically the first base position, which, you know, is we've had a lot of new clarity with Brandon Belt officially re-signing, not re-signing, signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. And so for the first time in forever, he doesn't figure to be the primary first baseman on this team. And so what does it look like at that position? I also want to get into today being the deadline for uh, the team and players to exchange arbitration figures. And so it's a big day in that regard, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But the first base position for the San Francisco Giants, Brandon Belt is not going to be that guy. He is officially a Toronto Blue Jay. Farhan Zaidi kind of met with the media and discussed Brandon Belt, discussed Carlos Correa being officially with the Twins. We talked about that on, I think, Tuesday on the show. But basically, what are the Giants going to do now? The plan is, according to Farhan Zaidi, and it seemed to be that way just kind of looking over the roster, is they've got some options there. Like Lamont Wade Jr. is set to be the key kind of beneficiary of Belt leaving because, I mean, it's another way, kind of like moving Jock Peterson out of the outfield, helps the outfield defense just by taking him out of the mix. And taking Lamont Wade Jr. out of the outfield, I think, improves the outfield defense as well. So suddenly you're looking at Hanniger and Conforto and Yastrzemski and Slater. Those are all players who should be able to at least give them like an average defensive outfield as opposed to being one of the worst, which is what they were by many accounts last year. But in the infield, you lose Evan Longoria, who was a good defensive third baseman. You now lose Brandon Belt, who was a good defensive first baseman, although both of those players kind of showing signs of regression even on defense as they got into their mid-30s. But it figures to be, I mean, Lamont Wade Jr. is a platoon player. He, like, going into last year, he he had played some in the majors and he had never in his life in the majors had a hit against a left-handed pitcher. And so it is obviously a small sample of his career. It's not like he's been around a long time, but you know, he is a platoon player until proven otherwise and it he he would have a lot of work to do to come out of that platoon. But the good news for the Giants is that at that position they do have a, a several options who are right-handed who could be 
the quote-unquote weak side of the platoon with J.D. Davis and with Wilmer Flores and then also David Villar. And David Villar, when we think about first base and not bringing back Belt and that it's going to Lamont Wade Jr. and, like I said, Flores and J.D. Davis as other options there, what it does apparently, like what it seems to do, and Farhan Zaidi kind of backed this up, is that it opens up third base for David Villar. Because if you bring back Brandon Belt, then suddenly J.D. Davis and Wilmer Flores are also in the mix at third base. Not Lamont Wade Jr., but still two solid veterans in Flores and Davis. And then it becomes harder to get a spot for David Villar. And so by clearing up first base for Wade and Davis and Flores it opens up third base for David VR. And so I, just to speak to Wade, though, momentarily, like we kind of not forget, but it's easy to forget just how good he was in 2021. I mean, he had a 347 weighted on base average, a 116 weighted runs created plus. He hit 253 solid 326 on base, solid, 482 slugging. That's what really stands out. He hit 18 homers in just 381 plate appearances. So hit for a lot of power. Late night Lamont was super, super clutch. But then last year, as good as 2021 was for Wade, 2022 was kind of that bad. He just definitely fell off. But if you look at kind of the underlying numbers and the expected numbers, they were better. And Farhan Zaidi has spoken to this. And so, look, he's not a super exciting player. And like I said, we're kind of talking about the upside of just being a platoon player. And I know people are tired of the platoons. But look, they platooned a ton in 2021. It worked out really well. They need some everyday guys. And they got some. Not Correa, not Judge, but... Hanniger is definitely an everyday type player. I believe that's what they're going to do with Conforto. Tyro Estrada, I think, is going to be more or less an everyday player. Crawford's going to be perhaps somewhat close to an everyday player. Behind the plate, I mean, Joey Bart, perhaps an everyday player. And so they've got some everyday guys. It's not the superstar talent. But look, having a few platoons on the field is just fine by me. And it leads to good production if they work. I mean, 2021 is is a great example of that. They had some everyday guy types like Buster Posey and Crawford and others, but they also had their effective platoons, which included Lamont Wade Jr. And so anyway, I'm okay with them giving that opportunity opportunity to Wade to start the year. And it is nice to have fallback options like J.D. Davis and Wilmer Flores, who don't necessarily need to be platooned. And so... They're nice pinch hitting options because they can hit lefties or righties. And so they can kind of sub in and then stay in the game. And it's not going to hurt you down the road if they have to come up a second time. And maybe instead of a lefty on the mound, now there's a righty on the mound, but they can still hit them. And so I think it's a, I think the, the kind of starting alignment, look, I'm not seeing like a 95 win team when I look at the San Francisco Giants right now, but I am seeing a, a kind of, if you clear up that third base spot for VR, and I want to talk about him next and how, I mean, he did so much in the minor leagues in 2022, and then he showed it in September as well, just kind of really breaking through and having a really good month of September, which is all you can ask for. And so he deserves that opportunity and it could be a great thing. And so if, yeah, opening that up that spot for him, I think is a, is a good thing. And we'll get into David VR a little bit more in just a minute. And we're going to talk about this important deadline today 
with teams and players exchanging arbitration figures, perhaps reaching some one-year agreements. Giants have actually already done that with quite a few players today, and some other players left, like Logan Webb, and the resolution to that is going to be something really you're going to want to pay attention to. So we'll get into all of that in just a minute, but before we do, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro and college football to basketball, we've got it all at BetOnline, including MLB offseason stuff. Finally, the Carlos Correa saga is concluded with him officially a twin. So, look, I know a lot of you probably didn't bet on that outcome, but it was fun, right? Paying attention to it throughout the offseason and coming up soon. We figured to have over-unders on win totals. That was, that's been fun to do the last couple of years as well. So daily action on all the sports that are in-season, off-season action, if we're in the off-season, you can check it all out at BetOnline. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. All right, as promised, I want to get into David VR just a little bit. And also there's a mailbag question, like what is a opening day lineup going to look like? And we will get to that question now that there's a little more clarity, right, on what on who's going to be filling out some of these positions. Thanks for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Lockdown MLB Prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. And this is kind of prospect season, too. We're going to be talking about uh, top 100 prospects lists that are going to be coming out over the next handful of weeks here, and that's always really fun. I think people are sleeping on the giant system a little bit. Some key guys had down years, but we're acting like their farm system stinks, but I don't think it does at all. Uh, and the athletic Melissa Lockard, I think, uh, wrote a write up on the Giants farm system, and I thought it was worth reading. There's some high end talent still in this system and a lot of depth. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when these rankings come out top 100 lists where certain guys land, like Kyle Harrison, who could be, you know, easily a top 15 prospect in the game right now, and he's on the doorstep of the majors essentially. And we're probably going to see him early in 2023. And I feel like people are sleeping on that anyway. David VR, he's probably not going to find himself on any, he never did find himself on any top prospects list, but he's a good example, perhaps. We'll see how his career ends up going of how prospect kind of trying to guess who's going to be a good player in the majors is not easy. And a lot of times it's, you know, guys just pop up out of nowhere and go on to be really good major league players. And so, I don't put a ton of stock. Like Logan Webb was never a top prospect, and yet he has emerged as one of the better pitchers in the game in the last couple of years. And so a lot of it is the, is a team's ability to develop guys and develop them at the major league level. Remember, Logan Webb was struggling in his first year plus in the major leagues, and then they they believed in him the whole time. They kept saying, like, we just think he has more in the tank. We know he can be really good. And sure enough, they helped him get there. 
So anyway, that's the hope for David VR, I would think, at this point. Uh, I mean, he just destroyed the competition in the minors in 2022. In, in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of people, it took them too long to give him a chance in the majors, that he was just tearing it up in AAA, and yet they were just continuing to run out guys who were you know, clearly struggling like Tommy LaStella, et cetera. But when all was said and done, I mean, David VR, he hit 275 in AAA, and that is by far the least impressive thing I'm about to say. 404 on base percentage, extremely healthy, 617 slugging. It's a 342 isolated power, which is just kind of eye-popping. Hit 27 home runs in just 84 games. 27 home runs in 84 games, and then he hit nine homers in the majors, so 36 home runs in about 136 games. And so the power, I mean, he sh- he had a 224 isolated power in the major leagues last year. Uh, league average, I think, last year was around 170. It fell off quite a bit from the previous year, so I'm forgetting exactly what league average is, but it was under 200 by quite a bit. And he's at 224, and so this is significantly above average power that he showed even in the majors and way crazy power in the minors and so we talk about the need to get younger and more athletic right well giving opportunities to guys like david vr who's turning 26 in looks like about two weeks here or yeah about two weeks here he turns 26 so he is young he is i mean more athletic than some of their mid-30s guys like brandon belt no offense to brandon belt but you know, you see him hobbling around trying to take care of that knee, and you've got a young guy like VR who's got nothing left to prove in the minors. And the the where the Giants are as a team, you got to be giving these guys opportunities. And so I have no problem with just paving the way to give David VR that opportunity. And the thing is, they've got insurance plans. Like I said, at first, you've got insurance for Lamont Wade Jr. in the form of Flores and J.D. Davis. But at third... You have that same insurance in the form of Flores and J.D. Davis. And then you've also got Casey Schmidt, who is arguably the Giants' best position player prospect. We just referenced Melissa Lockard's uh, top Giants prospects list in The Athletic, and she had Casey Schmidt as the... Actually, no, sorry. It was Marco Luciano was the top position player prospect, but then Casey Schmidt. And Casey Schmidt made it to AAA, and Casey Schmidt's greatest attribute perhaps but like the most obvious attribute that doesn't isn't as much of a question as perhaps you know hitting is tough in the major leagues and so you always wonder will he be able to hit in the major leagues but defensively if you can be a rock star defensive player in the minors you're probably going to be a rock star defensive player in the majors it translates better uh it's easier to predict the translation is what i'm trying to say but anyway schmidt is a excellent defensive third baseman and so there's another layer of insurance if David VR isn't able to be successful and so I I like the way that that's kind of shaping up I like giving this opportunity to VR and I like that they have some options it's not like sink or swim with David VR and if it doesn't work out you're just stuck getting nothing out of that position and VR can be optioned and so if he really struggles you can send him down and then mix in whoever else and so like I said, I'm not seeing, okay, yes, and therefore 95 wins are coming. I'm seeing kind of more of the same where we're talking like mid-80s, but the potential if things go well to be 90-something, and if things go poorly, perhaps you're a below 500 team. So that's kind of where 
uh, they are, but in the median there, I'm kind of mid 80s or so, maybe 86 is where I'm landing. But look, baseball predictions are super, super hard. And nobody predicted 107 in 2021. You know, I think they they underperformed expectations in 2022. And so that's why you play the games. So I want to answer this mailbag question coming from David, who says, given the current makeup of the Giants roster, what do you think a potential opening day lineup would be? So it, it helps to have some clarity over these various positions. But the way I'm going with it is they, they let off Lamont Wade Jr. a lot. And something I want to be clear about is that I think we need to not think about lineups so much as like if Lamont Wade Jr. is leading off, it's not that he's a leadoff hitter. It's they also think about like where they're going to pinch hit in at various spots in the lineup. And so if Wade plus J.D. Davis or Wilmer Flores, that combination is getting the most played appearances a game, then and they're they're going to be having the platoon advantage in pretty much all of their at-bats, I can see them doing that again. So I'm just going with Wade hitting leadoff because a big part of his game is kind of not chasing out of the strike zone, getting on base. Although I did just say his power was the biggest calling card, but you could put Wade there. You could put Conforto there. You could put, uh, I don't know. I actually think Wade makes the most sense against a right-handed pitcher. And so opening day, it figures to be Garrett Cole in New York. And so I'm going Lamont Wade Jr. at first base leading off. Then I've got Michael Conforto in left field. I do believe Conforto is going to play left coming off the right shoulder injury. I don't think they want to put him in right field where throws are kind of more important. I think they want to maybe ease on his arm a little bit and they'll have him in left batting second. He's an on-base machine. So hitting at the top of the lineup makes a lot of sense. And then Mitch Hanniger inserting a right-handed hitter between uh, or after a couple lefties and before another lefty, I've got him hitting third in right field. He's an everyday player, doesn't have uh, below average numbers against righties. So he's just kind of, for me, locked into the, the third spot-ish and going to play pretty much every day in right field there. And he's got a good arm as well. And then I've got Jock Peterson DHing, batting fourth. And then, hey, David VR for me, batting fifth at third base. Yes, it's a risk. You could kind of flip-flop him. You could move Yastrzemski or Estrada up a little bit, but I want to split up the lefties again and I've got VR just kind of see what see what you got there with VR hitting fifth although I'm not sure maybe against a tough righty like Cole maybe they give him a break and give that to JD Davis or to Wilmer Flores who knows and then batting sixth I've got Mike Yastrzemski in center field the center field position figures to be a platoon of Yastrzemski and Slater at this moment in time and when it's a lefty on the mound Slater would probably hit near the top of the lineup as He's often done. So you could flip even Yaz and Wade because, I don't know, Yastrzemski struggled quite a bit last year, but so did Wade. So yeah, you could flip these two, have Yaz first and Wade, what is this, sixth or vice versa. So batting seventh, I've got Tyro Estrada. This is pretty pretty good length to your lineup. If Tyro Estrada, who was the Giants' best position player last year, by many accounts, is hitting seventh for you. And for me, he's you want more everyday players. Let him be that everyday second baseman. I think some of the defensive numbers were kind of wonky for him last year, but he should be able to be fine. He's got good athleticism, and I just like him. Just just let him continue to develop. He's also young. Like, he's 26 years old, I think, 
going to turn 27, I think, in February. But let him be another an everyday guy like he kind of was last year. And I think that's fine. Crawford batting eighth, playing shortstop. And then Joey Bart batting ninth at catcher. The catcher position is weird. The fact that it's just Bart and a guy who's a Rule 5 pick who has zero Major League experience, Blake Sable. I don't know. I think they've got to... They've got to sign some some catching depth to to secure themselves in case that doesn't work out. And then you've got a bench of Wilmer Flores, J.D. Davis, Austin Slater, and Blake Sable, as I said. So, yeah, I think it's a solid group. It's kind of missing that upper-tier talent, but you've got guys like Conforto and Hanniger and Jock Peterson who have the potential to be pretty impact hitters if things go well for them. And hey, maybe a guy like David VR as well. So coming up in just a minute, I want to turn our attention to this deadline for players and teams to exchange arbitration figures. We'll get into it in just a minute. But before we do. All right, as promised, the deadline is today. And so I, I was trying to wait until after the dust had settled on this. But as of this recording, the Giants have settled with a number of players, but there are still a few players left, including some of the more significant players like Logan Webb. Actually, I'm seeing some updates trickling in now. Looks like the Giants have avoided arbitration with every one of their arbitration eligible players except Logan Webb at this point. And so Webb is the one I was waiting for the most, and he's the one who has not been settled. And that's not surprising because We've heard reporting that uh, the Giants were attempting to sign Logan Webb to an extension, and it's not at all a guarantee that that would happen today. But what what does need to happen today is that basically it's called file and trial, which means today is the deadline to file. And if you end up filing, the team files a figure they think that should be your salary for the upcoming season, and the player files a figure they think should be their salary for the upcoming season. And if you don't reach a settlement before today's deadline, the team's policy, the Giants' new policy, it wasn't the policy under the old front office, it is the policy under this new front office, is that if you file these numbers, you're going to an arbitration hearing, which will take place in like a month. I forget exactly when, but and then a panel of arbiters would pick one of those two figures. So as it is now, the Giants have avoided this entire process with I'm I don't know exactly how many, like nine. I'm I'm just seeing the list here. It looks like about nine guys. They've avoided that entire process by just settling on a number for their 2020. I keep, I think I'm saying 2022, 2023 salary. But for Webb, he's the one guy who's yet to be determined. And the MLB trade rumors estimate for what his eventual eventual salary will be is about $4.8 million. And so there's three possible outcomes here for today with Webb. Either they file separate numbers, Giants would come in at like 4.6 and Webb would come in at like 5.3. And that would mean they're they're going to arbitration at some point in the next month. The other possibility is that they settle on a one-year contract, which is what the Giants have done with all of their other arbitration-eligible players. The third possibility is that they agree to an extension. There's no rule saying you can't agree to some extension. This kind of activity, like when you're discussing what should your salary be for the upcoming year, if you have an extension candidate like Webb, it can kind of spur those conversations that get you to agreeing to an extension. But the fact that it hasn't been 
settled yet. I mean, it, it was their most important and most significant case. And so it's not surprising to me that it's the one that has not been settled yet. But as of this recording, I don't really have any answers for you. I would hope that they avoid when you hear Webb filed for this, the Giants filed for this. That's the worst case scenario. It's not a huge deal if that happens, but what it does mean is you're going to arbitration in, you know, during which the team is going to sit there and talk about why you shouldn't be paid what you think you should be paid as a player. They're going to tell you why you should make less than what the player is suggesting they should make. And that's just an ugly process all the way around. And that's why we call it avoiding arbitration when they settle on some figure before that process plays out. And so I hope that that doesn't happen with Logan Webb doing that, especially with three years of arbitration remaining, including this year, wouldn't bode great for their chances of reaching an extension. So I would hope that they can work something out, but no guarantees and plenty of good players do go to arbitration. I believe Aaron Judge went to arbitration last year with the New York Yankees. And, you know, ultimately, when all is said and done, they got something done long term even though they had kind of a contentious fight over his salary. Because when you set when you set these salaries, it changes the trajectory of your future earnings. And so that's why teams can be kind of penny pinching with this because it it sets you up to earn more and more and more. Look, and that's what I'm saying. I don't like doing that with your kind of franchise pitcher. Just give him what he's worth and hopefully agree to an extension. But we'll see. So they agreed... $2.8 million, they settled with Jacob Junis. $2.3 million, they settled with John Brebbia. J.D. Davis gets $4.21 million. Austin Slater, $3.2 million. Tyler Rogers, $1.675 million. Lamont Wade gets $1.375 million. And Tyro, Tyro Estrada gets $2.25 million. So it's more complicated than just like, you can't just look at the numbers and not everyone is on the same playing field. It depends on where you are, how many arbitration years you've had in the past. Like Estrada is a first year arbitration player, and he's one of these guys who actually gets four years of arbitration. And so 2.25 is a pretty healthy number for year one of four years of arbitration because it's going to go up every year. And for like Jacob Junis, he gets more than Estrada. You might be like, is Junis really better than Estrada or Brebbia? He gets a little more than Estrada. But for Brebbia, he's in his final year of arbitration, whereas Estrada is in his first of four. And so it's not a like apples to apples comparison when you're just cross comparing all of these players. So anyway, it's always a little bit of a complicated explanation, but that's just the way it is. Uh, all these players will be back, including Logan Webb, no matter what. It's just a matter of determining the salary and hopefully, hopefully reaching an agreement on an extension. We can only hope. So anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance. And thanks to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again next week. Three episodes, like I said, until Pitchers and Catchers Report, which is about a month from now. Three episodes a week. So have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.
when everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.